0: Welcome, conversations that highlight fascinating ways people are impacting the lives of those who are vulnerable. Impact Conversations with Don Mansky. This Impact Conversation is brought to you by Made for Freedom, the social enterprise with products made by survivors of human trafficking and marginalization. Made for Freedom is fighting human trafficking with style.
1: Glad you could join us today. Thank you so much for being here for this Impact Conversation. Over the past several years, I have been able to visit a lot of different conferences and attend them and meet some incredibly fascinating people, which led to the idea of Impact Conversations. The people around the world that are doing amazing things to help come alongside those who are vulnerable to protect children against abuse, to help those who are survivors of human trafficking. There are just people doing so many amazing things. And today, I am excited to have Jamie Beck join us. Jamie is the past president of Lawyers Club of San Diego and founded the Lawyers Club Human Trafficking Collaborative. She graduated from University of San Diego School of Law, where she was a member of the San Diego Law Review. And she's joining us today to share about her current position as the president and managing attorney of Free to Thrive. Jamie, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me, Don. I'm really, oh, you're, really pleased to be here. You're welcome. I'm, I'm excited to hear, hear your, a bit of your story. So why don't you just go ahead and start by telling us, how, how did you decide to go into a legal profession?
0: Uh, That's a good question. Uh, I think I, you know, I always knew that I wanted to help people. And it sounds really cliche, but it it really is true. And I I felt like I didn't know what I wanted to do with my law career, but I knew that that would um, open up doors for me. And it's, it's incredible, because when you go into a profession, you think you know what it's going to be. And, and for me, I really have managed to find my way to, to use my law degree in a way that that impacts others.
1: So explain how you ended up combining being a lawyer with helping survivors of human trafficking. So as you mentioned in my bio, uh, I was on the Lawyers Club
0: of San Diego. I was president of Lawyers Club. Prior to being president, I was on the board of directors. And while I was on the board, the organization took on the issue of human trafficking. And um, I actually decided to start a human trafficking collaborative, which would take our anti-trafficking work to another level by bringing together the legal community with anti-trafficking advocates and service providers and and policymakers all to work on this issue together. And while I was doing that, um, you know, the more involved I got, I was training lawyers on how to do pro bono work and training judges and prosecutors and public defenders on this issue. And all of a sudden, you know, people started calling me with cases to take um, of survivors who needed attorneys. And I, the first referral I received, I was able to take the case pro bono and that particular client has really had a lasting impact on my life and just, you know, her personal journey of, you know, she was born and raised in San Diego. She, she didn't have a lot of the vulnerabilities that we hear about with, um, human trafficking victims and survivors. And she just, she didn't need any of those stereotypes that people might have of, um, you know, coming from, um, you know, a neglectful or abusive home or, um, having some other vulnerability. She came from a loving two-parent home and, she was, her vulnerability was being a 16 year old girl and, um, and she, her case really stuck with me and her story stuck with me. And the more involved I got in this issue, the more other people started sending me clients. And I'm like, I'm I'm an attorney at a a big (laughs) law firm. I don't have that many hours that I can do pro bono work, unfortunately, even though those cases were my most meaningful cases. And so I was like, well, where's the nonprofit in San Diego where I can refer these clients to and we had uh, a number of nonprofits doing immigration work for human trafficking survivors, but in San Diego, the statistic is that 80% of sex trafficking victims are actually from the United States. And wow. so with 80% from the United States, and the only legal work being done is immigration work, there's a huge gap. Um, and the needs they had were different. They the victims of sex trafficking need help clearing their criminal records, they need help with family law, with restraining orders, child custody, divorce. They need help changing their name and all other, lots of other legal needs, none of which we had an organization in San Diego providing these dedicated services to. And so once I learned that, I started thinking, well, you know, what would it look like to um, fill that need? And I went, I spent about a year and a half researching programs around the country, uh, working with programs in San Diego, trying to see what services they offer and how we could partner with them and then looking for funding opportunities. Um, I knew that if I was going to do this, it would need money to do it. And the stars aligned at a certain point where I had a business plan and I had a model and a vision for it, and then a funding opportunity came up and applied for the funding and got it. And at that point I thought, well, I'll go go part-time at my law firm and then I'll do this on the side. And from the moment that I said I'm going to do this, my phone was ringing off the hook with clients and i very quickly i mean before i would even launched the organization we just like we had the funding we we're getting up and running i was you know drafting bylaws and creating my board and and doing right. the the entity formation part and filing for tax exempt status and my phone was already ringing and i had this realization of this is not a part time job and um, for anybody who's ever gone part time at a law firm that's not a part time job you basically take <laughs> a pay cut and still work the same hours um so i was like you know what i'm going to have to to just d- dive in. And and I, I had this moment right when I gave notice where I felt like I was jumping off a cliff and I was like, you know what? I don't know if this is going to work out. We had about a year's worth of funding and I was like, I'll, you know, I'm going to do it. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. And that was about almost exactly three years ago now. So, and it's been absolutely incredible. We went from just me to a staff of 10 people in the last three years.
1: Oh, that's great. Yeah. So yeah. the need was
0: there. Yeah. <laughs>
1: that's great. You were talking about some of the typical vulnerabilities that we think of yeah what are what are some of the more common vulnerabilities that you see with your clients?
0: So one thing I always say is that there's there's no one story. every survivor's story is different um, and unique, but there are certain threads that weave those stories together and Things, you know, I, I mentioned, you know, coming from some sort of family background that is, is not supportive, um, whether it's neglectful or abusive. Many of our clients had childhood trauma. Um, you know, they may have been molested as children. They may have been raped as teenagers. There are were, there were things in their path along their way that impacted them. And then um, there's, you know, complex trauma. They've had multiple different types of traumas that all come together. So that's a huge part of it. Other vulnerabilities, I mean, poverty, frankly, is one of the biggest vulnerabilities of just coming from an environment where you don't have enough resources to, to survive and you're looking, you know, to, to find a way to survive. A lot of the kids that did come from neglectful homes may run away or end up in the foster system. And one of those two things is a huge vulnerability. Um, I can't remember the data point, but I want to say about 25% of our clients are former foster youth, which is a very disproportionate number to the general population. Also, a lot of our clients are LGBTQ, and that's another vulnerability that um, that population is more likely to experience abuse or sexual assault. Um, they're more likely to be kicked out of their homes at a young age and become homeless, creating that vulnerability, um, creating poverty, the need to, to find a way to support yourself financially. And what, regardless of what those circumstances are, it's the story is almost always somebody coming along and telling them a story of saying, I'll take care of you. I'll support you. I love you. um, Whatever that story they tell them is to gain their trust and to groom them, to traffic them.
1: That is so interesting. Just the different vulnerabilities. We've had several interviews already just talking to people working with kids in the foster system. Mm -hmm. I'm a foster mom. And so running a business, digging into... What are the vulnerabilities of human trafficking or sex trafficking specifically? And then seeing some of those numbers you're talking about, where kids that age out of the foster system are very likely to end up on the street or in prison or being prostituted. Um, so that also, I I have two young ladies that we now call daughters, and it's uh, I love. I love hearing amazing stories of people coming alongside those that are so vulnerable on the streets. But you were also talking about some of the things that, some of the legal assistance that survivors need. And what are some of the things that, you know, like just going and getting a job, what are, like, there's some legal, there's some legal assistance that survivors need
0: Absolutely. the The biggest barrier that survivors have is criminal records. Unfortunately, particularly when we're talking about sex trafficking, more so than labor trafficking, is survivors of sex trafficking are often forced to commit crimes by their trafficker or wrapped up in a criminal activity as a part of their trafficking. Um, and though that stays with you, if you are ever arrested, um, it's going to stay on your record for. Maybe not the rest of your life, but for a very long time. Depending on your state's laws, it's different everywhere. And that's actually the the survivor that I helped uh, when I first started when I first started doing this work as an attorney. That the issue she had is she had a criminal record, and the first thing I helped her with is just to clear up an open case that was um, still pending because she had been trafficked while the case was pending, and it resulted in a warrant for her arrest. And that happens a lot with our clients. Is you know they're being trafficked and they don't show up to court and if you don't show up to court you get a warrant and then they manage to escape from their traffickers and start their life over and then they get arrested on this old warrant that in some cases you know we've had clients that have like a 10-year-old warrant out where they're afraid to go to a certain area because they're worried they're going to get arrested um so in that case we helped her clear clear up the the case so that she didn't have that hanging over her head but she still had that record she was trying to get jobs, um, you know, working in restaurants or retail. And she was in college getting straight A's and had moved past this experience. And that record was holding her back. And actually that story of her case is what inspired me to advocate for a law in California that helps survivors clear their records. And so one of the first things I did in this area was advocate for this law. And through the Lawyers Club of San Diego Human Trafficking Collaborative, we actually helped get that law passed in California. Awesome. And that was really a catalyst for me starting Free to Thrive because we had this brand new law, this amazing way to help survivors that just didn't exist before. And we had no attorneys in the state of California who knew how to do it. <laughs> um, so, and and we had all these survivors that needed help. And so what I started doing basically at the exact same time as I was starting organization was um, getting training from lawyers in other places who had these laws, Learning how to do it myself, taking this client's case. She was my first one that I uh, took, and the first record I got cleared was the same client. And um, and then training other lawyers how to do this work, and doing that all while starting up the organization,
1: writing um, <laughs> the business plan, seeking money, <laughs> exactly. and working part time.
0: Oh, yep, yep, all of that, all yeah, real time. And it's been a really incredible journey because. It's still it's we're now just over three years since that law went into effect and we're still learning how it works. We're still, you know, every time we bring a new case, it's a different set of facts that the law is the same, but it applies differently to every person. And we're learning it along the way. Every county, you know, some counties are well aware of this law and are are moving these cases along. Other counties have never heard of it. So when I when I went to my first time in L.A. to file one of these petitions, the court clerks looked at me like I had three heads. They're like, "What? What is this thing that you're trying to do?" I'm like, "Well, it's called vacature, and here's what it is, and here's how you do it." And they just didn't know what it was, and so it was it was a, a, a steep learning curve for all of us as we figured it out together.
1: Nice. Well, because you're in San Diego,
0: mm-hmm, exactly. So,
1: so they're um, yeah, getting a little more they're getting a little more familiar in San Diego, but you show up in L.A. and they're like, "Who are you?" Exactly.
0: <laughs> so yeah, so that's one of the the main needs our clients have. Um, we're a holistic legal service provider. So we serve a client population of survivors, of human trafficking. And if they have a legal need, either we will help them directly or through one of our pro bono attorneys. So other things that we do, we have a family law attorney who does restraining orders, child custody and divorce, which Mm. a lot of people don't know, but a lot of our clients, a lot of survivors of sex and labor, labor trafficking are married to and, or have children with their traffickers. Right. So Um, You know, talk about unraveling that marriage, unraveling any marriage and any custody issue is, you know, wrought with challenges. This is a whole nother level when we're talking about your perpetrator that is often using the children um, or using the fact that you're married as a way to continue to manipulate you. Especially when you start to pull away from them, they, you know, they realize that one, the the most important thing to a mother is her child. Mm -hmm. And Using that as a, a further way to control them. So these are pretty tough cases. Um, and then we help our clients change their names. we help them with um, we have a lot of clients that have just like random things come up, landlord, tenant law, personal injury cases, um, bankruptcy, estate planning. um oftentimes they may uh, you know want to make sure that if something happens to them that you know their children don't go to their perpetrator, that they go to a family member or something something along those lines. so
1: lots and lots of different legal needs. Yeah, I it is interesting the the little bit that I've heard about the legal needs for survivors. It just kind of blows my mind. It's things that people don't typically think of or realize. But yeah. one thing that I've also learned with human trafficking, sex trafficking, there's so many there's so many things that cause this situation, so many things that lead to it. But then on the other side, there are so many people and there are so many resources that are needed to help them get out of it and help with restoration. So, so with free to thrive, are there other programs like this in the United States?
0: That's a really good question, and um, the answer is yes, and they're amazing. But there's so few of us out there. Um, I actually just recently—it's a very time timely question because I just launched a a group called the National. Survivor Law Collective (NSLC) And it's a group of nonprofits that are like free to thrive around the country that provide legal services to survivors of human trafficking. And it's us coming together to find ways to collaborate, to support one another, to support our clients. And the ultimate goal being to create a network of organizations that are like us around the country and to create more of them. So I want to show you something that I'm really passionate about, which is a map that I've created. That's just my doodles on an, an actual map of where I, we I have identified a nonprofit like Free to Thrive that works uh, provides holistic legal services to human trafficking survivors, and then the states where there may be somebody that I've identified, but there isn't necessarily an organization or an entity providing these services. And then the red states are states where I haven't identified anybody. And that doesn't mean they don't exist. It just means that I don't know them yet. And um, the goal is to turn the whole map into blue where there's a provider of comprehensive legal services
1: for survivors. Nice. Thank you. So what what makes Free to Thrive different from other legal services?
0: A couple things. First is we are a mobile uh, program. In, you know, it looks very different in in the world of COVID and I can explain, you know, how we're serving our clients now, but in regular times, um, we're mobile. So we actually do not have a central office. We are a completely um, mobile program, which means we are embedded into other organizations. We provide services. We have, I lost count, I I think at least 17 different physical locations where we meet with clients on a regular basis uh, throughout San Diego County. We're a huge county. Um, geographically and population-wise. And so um, we we meet with clients at programs. They may be residential treatment programs for human trafficking survivors or programs that provide some sort of service to survivors. They may be programs that work with um, vulnerable populations in general. So we have like Goodwill Industries as one of our partners. And we, we meet there at their job centers. They may refer somebody that comes to their job center that they identify as trafficked. Um, but we may also refer our clients to them. So oftentimes our clients need jobs and we'll say, well, why don't we meet at Goodwill? And we'll meet at the job center in a you know a private room where we can talk confidentially. And then while we're there, we can give them a tour of the job center, connect them to their services and help them with that um, getting a job all at the same time. Um, we also... Uh, have a, a location at our women's detention facility, so we actually have a regular clinic. We have an attorney who goes in at least twice a week to that facility, meeting with inmates. And about a third of our clients first meet us in jail, so we meet a lot of clients. Unfortunately, so what I was talking about of that a lot of our clients are have criminal records. Unfortunately, a place that they first connect with us is in jail. So that's one thing that makes us unique. Another is that we provide holistic services. So as opposed to saying, you know, we provide domestic violence restraining orders and, you know, that's the service we provide. We serve a population. So if we have a human trafficking survivor that has a legal need and they come to us, we will help them with all of their legal needs in one place.
1: So the different groups that you're partnering with, so you're, you're meeting at 17 different locations. Mm-hmm. Your lawyers are going to meeting survivors there. Yep. Is that correct? That's That's incredible. That's really (laughs) awesome.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, a lot of programs, they have an, you know, they have an office. We have hours from this to this. You can come to our clinic and get this service. Um, When I was designing Free to Thrive, I realized that that's not how, that is, it's harder for people to access services if that's your model. And it's something that I, I really hope that not just for human trafficking survivors, but for all legal services that This is a a replicable model because the reality is, is that if somebody needs to get from point A to point B, just getting there alone may be a barrier to accessing your services. If, you know, the farthest location we have for our clinic is an hour drive without traffic. Um, So, I mean, imagine them, you know, somebody with no transportation, no means of income having to come on a regular basis, you know, to a, a downtown office location, for example, or some, you know, some other location. They just may not be able to get there. Um, Also, a lot of our clients are in residential programs where they don't have the ability to come and go. They're in this intensive program where they're getting daily therapy and taking classes and doing all these great things. They can't just leave to go, you know, if they need to go for appointments, they do, but it's it's just not that simple. And it's also the trauma-informed piece is that we are meeting in them at locations where they feel safe and comfortable. So if they're in a residential program and this, they have a therapy room, we meet in that room. It's a room that they're comfortable in, that they feel safe in. It's their home and their environment. And that's better than coming into some strange environment
1: that's unfamiliar to them. Right. Well, that's, that's awesome. I, I'm excited to hear about what you guys are doing. And I hope that I hope that you can get locations in lots of cities around the United States that what a, what a great, um, what a great model to, for others to look at. And yeah, I just, I'm excited about what you're doing. So what, what do you have coming in the future? You, do you see rolling out to other cities maybe? I certainly hope so. I think it'll
0: look different in different places. My, what we're working on now is building capacity in other cities. So I'm working with uh, either organizations that already have legal services that are looking to expand to serve this client population and providing counseling and consulting and support to them as they're doing that. I'm also working with founders of other organizations to help them um, do this work. So they may have started an organization with a model similar to Free to Thrive. And and I you know, will talk to them regularly and provide them resources or, you know, any, anything, basically everything that I had to learn myself, I really hope that other people don't have to, and I'm happy to hand them, you know, template documents I've created or intakes, or, you know, they, they'll often reach out with questions of like, oh, what, um, you know, what technology do you use for, to manage your clients or something like that. And I'll get, have a 30 minute call with them. So I do a lot of consulting with other mm-hmm. nonprofits and, you know, that's a much more efficient model than starting free to thrive yeah. uh, with boots on the ground. but. In the short term, continuing to do that, uh, expanding to cover all of Southern California is, is a goal of having boots on the ground in different counties throughout Southern California, and then, and then strategically, if there are places where maybe we don't have a partner, thinking you know, would we want to to actually have a, a head, a, not a headquarters, but have an office, have a location where we provide direct services in that community. Mm.
1: Just some small small just, things. <laughs> just some minor things. <laughs> nice. Well, thank you so much, Jamie. Just for sharing a little bit about free to free to thrive and and thank you for getting that started. And, you know, for taking the leap <laughs> into into the the world of the nonprofit thing and and just for using your legal skills that way. Thank you. Thank you for spending time with us today.
0: You are so welcome. And it's honestly, this has been such an incredible journey. I, um, I feel far more fulfilled every day than I ever did working, you know, working at a law firm. It's just, it's a different environment. And our clients are, are my why of why I do this work. They are incredible, resilient people. And, and I get to be a part of their journey. And, and, you know, to have one client just say, thank you. Thank you. Here's, you know, thank you for helping me. That's, that's it. That's all I need. And it's, it's worth all the hard work. For,
1: for that. That's, that's fabulous. For those of you that enjoyed this impact conversation, we appreciate you joining us today. And if you would like to be updated about future impact conversations, click on the link below and you can subscribe, follow, and you can also nominate someone who would be a good guest for a future impact conversation. Thank you for joining us and keep looking for ways to positively impact our world.
0: Don't forget to subscribe and join us next week for another Impact Conversation.